the other day I was driving to work and I heard the Lord just say this to me more than 24 Hallelujah. well thank you for that response it's not about me you gave a much better response than I gave back to the Lord I think honestly he's like that's the word for 24 and I'm like well that's awesome Lord but Kind of sounds cheesy. <laughs> Come on, can I just be real? And I'm like, so I just begin to ask, like, what does that even mean, Lord? So I ended up here at prayer on Wednesday, and I, I shared a little bit uh, with Sister Beth because she had prayed a prayer during prayer that was just along that same line. And God's just been bringing it up, bringing it up, that there's going to be more in 24. And I'm just like, and God, that's awesome, and I want that, but what does that mean, you know? And so I just begin to pray over it. And so I believe that this week he showed me something, and I want to share it with you prophetically. And if you can relate, well, then great. And I rhymed that on purpose. So this is what I heard more in 2024. There's a greater supernatural infusion of the power of God being released into the lives of children, his children, who have a desire for more in 2024. Because the word declares that those who hunger and thirst after him shall be filled and let it be even so more in 2024. But listen, this is what the spirit of the Lord said about this word. Power is released in intimacy. Get this in your spirit this morning, that power is released in intimacy because in intimacy, healing occurs. Healing to you and healing through you. In intimacy, the traditions of men are broken. The things that we do just because that's what our forefathers always did, even though God never said or intended for us to do them or keep doing them, they're broken in intimacy. In intimacy, the direct conduit line that extends from heaven is cleaned out, allowing a more powerful flow from the throne room of heaven to flow into and through your lives. I'm going to say that line again. In intimacy, the direct conduit that is your relationship with Jesus Christ is cleaned out allowing a more direct flow or even a more powerful flow directly from the throne room of heaven to flow into you and through you in 2024. It was meant to flow into you and out of your lives so that in turn a greater manifestation of his power can be on display to show the power of the kingdom of Christ ultimately. He gets all the glory and he gets all the honor when we simply ask, God, can I have more in 2024? Father God, I just released that word right now to do whatever you intended it to do into the lives of your children and your people, God. And God, right now, as a part of them, I simply ask, God, I desire more of you right now. And just as we sang, nothing else. God, help us with all the distractions and do exactly what you intended it to do, Father God, as we move and as we venture into 2024. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
I am so glad you showed up this morning, not because I'm glad that you're here to hear me speak, but it would be awkward to look out here and be nobody here. Be great practice, though, for me, however. I want to share a message to you that has just been burning in my heart. And every time I go to preach a sermon, I always think I have something else that God wants me to share. And he has been bringing me back here and back here and back here. So if this sounds like previous messages that I've preached, I wonder why. Either I'm a slow learner or God really wants to get a message to us and maybe a little bit of both. Amen. There's three words that change the lives of some people in scripture that will forever change the world. Now, there's probably a lot of those lines that you might say, but I think that these three words and their response has to be uh, one of the most powerful things. So if you brought your Bibles today, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 5. This is not our key text this morning, but we're gonna start here. How many of you would agree this morning that you've been called to do something? About three of you. Man, there's a whole bunch of people in here. Everybody should have. Man, and if you don't, praise God, this word's for you. I said, how many of this this morning believe that you have a call and a purpose and a destiny on your life? Amen. Yes, yes, yes. You do. I'll jump up and down for you. I will be excited for you this morning. You do have a call on your life and you have a destiny in your life. And how many could we agree this morning that we have work to do? Now, how many are thankful that the work that we have to do isn't related to our salvation? Amen. I don't work because, hey, I need to do this so I can hopefully I do enough good things that I'm saved. How many are thankful for that? I'm just saved this morning. And because I'm saved this morning, I want to do good things for Christ who saved me. Amen. Are we all on the same page here? Shake your head. Nod. If it rattles, it's okay. Your neighbors are all ignore. Mine rattles all the time. So in 2 Corinthians, right, this is where God talks about that we're ambassadors and we're ministers of what? Pastor Damien's been talking about this for three weeks, and he's going to watch this video, and he's going to see if you've been paying attention. You're ministers of reconciliation. Y'all wanted a ministry. Well, what? Guess what? You got it. God, I want to be in ministry. Guess what? If you answered the call, you got it. You got the ministry. What's our message? What? Who said it? Come back to God. It's not even hard. Man, I make it so hard sometimes, and I let fear dictate my life. But our message is simple. Come back to God. Do we agree? Thank you. Praise the Lord for that. Sorry. They got rid of some sound in the system. <laughs> you guys are ministers of reconciliation. That's what it says. I just shortened a whole bunch for the sake of time because we're running a little long this morning. But you have a ministry. But check this out, man. Ephesians 2.10. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation this morning. If you got your Bibles, you can follow along. But we're going to read it from the Passion Train. This is what it says. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. That what? That you will fulfill the destiny that he has given to just Pastor Jim. Mm. 
ain't about the pastor. It is not about the pastor. He's given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Now get this part in your spirit this morning. Even before you were born. Everybody say, even before I was born. Now think about that for a minute. Some of you have been born a long time. <laughs> I'm chasing you, so no, no judgment from here. But even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we would do to fulfill it. You have work to do. You're called into ministry if you said, Jesus, I'll follow you. So I just wanted to share those scriptures to understand that we all have work to do. And we're all in ministry here. This isn't ministry. It's only a part of ministry. Do you hear what I'm saying? And this is a small part of what I do in ministry. Man, there's a whole bunch more days that I'm never up on this stage. But I'm on the stage for Jesus before the men and women who are lost and dying. Amen. Doesn't make me any better. But it makes me an ambassador. It makes me a reconciler to them to call them to come back to God. I want to, if you brought your Bibles again, we're going to flip real quick to Matthew 4 this morning. We're going to read this out of two different translations. But Matthew 4, 19, it'll be up on the screen. But before you do that, everybody look up here and look at me. I'll say these words. Come follow me. All right. So this is our key text this morning. Come follow me. And we're going to dive into that. Father God, I just come to you right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you for this word, this divine word this morning. And God, I pray that it would do everything that you intended it to do. God, I pray that I wouldn't say one more thing or one less thing than what you intend to do also, Father God. So I thank you for the spirit, your spirit, God, of revelation riding into this word right now to stir our hearts in this season, Father God, of what you're called all of us to do. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. So in this story in Matthew 4 is where Jesus, for the first time, calls his first disciples. And I want you to think about this setting, right? These men are standing by the sea. And they're messing around with their nets. I'm paraphrasing a bit, so forgive me. We'll get to the text and read it perfectly here in a minute. But they're messing around with their tents, and Jesus comes walking by. Now, really think about this and put it into context in your own scenario. These men were fishermen. Jesus is walking by the sea. He sees these two men, and he looks at them, and the first word he said is, come. Now, I don't know about you. Who are our first-timers here this morning? One here, some over here. So glad you guys are here. If I told you to come and I started walking out in the street, would you follow me? Why not? That's weird, right? You wouldn't follow me out without knowing what's going on, would you? But listen to this text. Listen to the text in Matthew. He says, come... And then he says, follow after me. That's really what that word is saying, follow after me. Now we're going to shift. We're going to stay in the same scripture, but we're going to read what the amplified version says. 
It says, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he noticed two brothers. They were Simon, who was called Peter later, and Andrew, his brother. And they were casting their net into the sea because they were fishermen. They were doing what they loved to do, right? Doing what they grew up doing all their whole lives. And he said to them, listen, I love how the Amplified says this, follow me. He didn't just say, follow me, because I'm going to Taco Bell, although some of you would follow me to Taco Bell, and don't you deny it. That's not what he said. He said, follow me. And this is what he was inferring when he said, as my disciples, accepting me as your master and your teacher and walking the same path of life that I walk. That's what he said to them when he said, come. Now, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit on purpose. But here's the most perplexing part of this whole story, because you said that you wouldn't follow me into the street. But when he called out to these two men that never had met him before, as far as we know, they said they left everything immediately. They dropped their nets and they left to follow Jesus. Man, you talk about unconditional surrender. Because, listen, can I be real? If I'm the guy with the net, what would happen when this man that maybe you didn't know, you sense something about him inside of you, like, oh, who is this guy? But why is he calling me to follow him? I'd have some questions, just like they would, like, hey, dude, what you wanna, why do you want me to take me into the street? They would have questions. I think, man, I would have some questions. But the Bible doesn't allude to us that they had questions. It says they dropped everything immediately. They dropped everything immediately. And they said, man, you got to be out of your mind. We ain't following you. That's not what they said. What did they do? What did they do? It's not your question. They followed him. They followed him. So here we see this invitation to them. They obviously accept the invitation. But here's something to remember. There was a purpose behind the come. There was a purpose behind the follow me that answered all their questions. Because they knew what they were, he was up to because he told them. He told them. And here's what he said to them. Follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher, and walk in the same path of life that I walk, and I will make you. Everybody say purpose. There's a purpose in when he called you, and there was purpose when you chose to follow him. Because I will make you into fishers of men. This is kingdom thinking, right? This isn't church thinking. And if I can be real, the, some of the things that I'm going to say don't come from a place of arrogance or that I have it all together because I absolutely don't, but it comes from a place of boldness of declaring truth this morning. We, the church, think that we're okay because we're okay. I want to say that again. We, the church, think we're okay because we're okay. But it was never the intent of Jesus when he called the disciples to come follow me because he wanted to make something of us that would impact the kingdom. 
He called you not just to sit in these chairs. I sit in them too. I'm not blaming you. But we've allowed the enemy to move us to a place of apathy, thinking that since we're okay in this moment, that everything's okay. But I don't know how many of you work a job here. Okay? How many of you go to shop anywhere? Lindsay doesn't shop. She has all of her stuff delivered. No, I'm kidding. I don't know if she does or not. How many of you ever, during your week, encounter people? Hmm. I'm leaving that lay there on purpose. There was intentional purpose when Jesus called out to them. So this is what we see. Here's the invitation, right? Come. That's the first words of come, follow me. Guess what I did? I looked it up in the dictionary. Guess which one? Noah's Webster's Dictionary, because it's the most awesomest dictionary in the whole widest world. But guess what the word come means? Who said that? I heard it. Huh. Did you hear what he said? Come. That's exactly what it means. <laughs> it's not a trick question. I was hoping for so much more to be packed in that word, but it just simply means, hey, come here. Steve, come here. See, come. Now, Jesus didn't say this word twice in this passage, but my wife has a great way that sometimes, I don't know, just I find it so funny and humorous to stand here for a minute. So humorous, she'll be like, come, 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 Emmy. I'm like, why are you saying it twice? Apparently, it drives emphasis, right? Come, come, right? So we have the invitation to come, but I need you to come follow me. That's exactly what I would do. Thank you for doing that. But did you see his apprehension? This is what makes this thing amazing. He's apprehensive because what are you about to do, Pastor Jim? I love you, but you're a little goofy and a little weird sometimes, and I do not know what you're about to do. But the disciples left everything immediately with the tension. Come follow me, man. Because I'm going to give you a whole bunch of money right now. Come on. Come on. Come follow me. See, his apprehension gets lost in what? Because now he has a directive and a purpose. He's about to get something. The disciples were about to get something. They were about to be made into something. They were about to be made into fishers of men. The same thing that you're called into. No matter whether you're sitting on the back seat, any seat in this church, this is not what this life is about. This life that we're doing right now, this thing that we're doing now, thank you, brother, you can go sit down. This thing that we're doing right now is nothing but to boost you up, to pump you up, to help you learn and grow, but this is only a small part of what you're called to do. There was an invitation to come, right? So they came. They did that. They followed him immediately, and this is the part I love. I will make you. Was there any prerequisite for them to come? Excuse me, ma'am. Get yourself cleaned up a little bit and then come. Huh. That ain't what he said. I wonder what he got. When you read the Bible and you read about the disciples of Jesus, there's some messy people in there. I can relate. I'm a little messy sometimes. 
I can relate to that. But he knew what he was getting. He called them. Come follow me. And they came. Think about some of the stuff that he got from the disciples and some of the weird things and the doubt that they had. Remember the story in the Bible where Jesus, and he's in front of all these thousands and thousands of people, and it's time to go home, but they're all hungry. Jesus says, let's feed them. Duh, we ain't got no food. That'd have been me. <laughs> Maybe you guys don't relate to the realness of who the disciples are. I do because I'm them. I'm them sometimes. Hey, man, we ain't got no food here. <laughs> but I love that. They didn't have faith because now Jesus is showing them in the following. As they follow him, what are they doing? They're seeing Jesus feed the 5,000. They're seeing all these miracles. Why is he showing them all these things? Think about the stories and the disciples and all the things that they encountered in their time in those three years of ministry when they followed Jesus. He was showing them. But was he just showing them, hey, look at me. Look what I am. Look what I can do. Yes, but you can do it too. And you're going to do it because I'm making you into fishers of men. But here's the thing. Sometimes we get stuck in the making process. We love it. We enjoy it. We love sitting here being made into something. But there's a purpose behind that if we're never made and we never see them actually go do something. It wasn't in the making that necessarily just changed the world. That was only a part of the process. The process is when Jesus left, gave them the Holy Spirit, and they did what? They went and turned the world upside down. Now, how many of you remember the day when you heard the whisper of Jesus and he said, come? And you gave your life to Christ. How many of you remember that day? I remember that day. And I'm assuming since you remember that day, what was your response? Trevor, what'd you do? I don't remember that day. Oh, bad example then. Let's find somebody else then. You don't count. Annie, what'd you do? Amen. Anybody over here, do you remember the day that God called you and said, hey, I love you. I want to save you. Come follow me. Anybody remember that? I see some heads nodding. Nobody's like, don't come too close because I don't want you to ask me anything. I get it. It's cool. I won't call on you. But we get stuck sometimes like Jesus called you. And then he's into the process. I need you to come follow me as your master and your teacher, and I need you to walk the same path that I'm walking. Do you think they'd ever seen anything like that before? The way he talked, the way he moved, the way miracles were performed, they never saw anything like that before in their lives. The coolest thing, thing they probably saw, at least the first two were some cool fish jumping out of the lake, and they'd be like, hey, yo, dude, did you see that thing? That thing was huge. 
But now they're seeing the power of the supernatural. And they be, we begin to see, as we read into the lives of the disciples, the change that's occurring in their lives. And God wanting to make them something on purpose for a purpose. Everybody say, on purpose, on purpose. For, a purpose. for a purpose. Ah, here's the thing inside of me that fights. I'm going to take a pause for a moment. I, in my natural state, am introverted. I do not like anything about this. I would rather be at home right now on my couch with my blankie and my cup of coffee. I said it. That's where my physical, fleshly man likes it. I can see it right now. We've got a really cool, uh, what's that thing called? Actually, I've got three. I've got a, I've got a, can I just confess before you this morning? I may have a coffee problem. I, maybe. We've got like three coffee pots at our house. They all do something different. But it's amazing. But we got this new one, right? And it makes you like a really good cup. Does anybody here drink like really good coffee? Like you really like really good coffee. I'm not talking about going to the grocery store and grabbing Folgers. You with me? Talking about a good double shot of espresso, some warm milk, maybe with a little bit of sweetened condensed milk in there. Oh, my goodness. Hello. I need to sit down for a minute. This is just too much for me. But listen, it's fabulous. That's where I'm comfortable. But do you see, Jesus took the disciples from where they were comfortable fishing and said, hey, come follow me. I'm about to pull you out of what you're comfortable with into something that you've never seen before in order to make you something on purpose, for a purpose. But what if the disciples, in the midst of all of this, got stuck in the making What do you mean by that, Pastor Jim? To me, part of the process of making is what we're doing right here. We're always being made, and I get that. But this is comfortable for me. Uh-oh. I grew, I've been in, there, in and around this a long time. Church, worship music, been around it. It feels good. It's comfortable. This, not so much right now what I'm doing, but this is comfortable. And when this is all we do, we're stuck in the realm of apathy and we're stuck in the realm of what we're comfortable doing instead of, God, what do you want to be in me and through me today? What's your purpose for me on purpose today as I walk out of this house? You called me to come and follow you, and now I want to follow you and do everything that you've been teaching me and showing me. And God, I remember the words that you said, that even greater things. Some of you are sitting here this morning, and you can't even imagine yourself praying for somebody and them actually being healed if Jesus told you to do it. God, help my unbelief. I've been there. God, help my unbelief. But God's asked you to speak to some people, and you've not done it out of fear. I've been there. But you know what I love about this? None of this is up to us. When God called you and you followed him and then you are allowing him to make you, 
and then he asks you to do something crazy. I don't know, why do we always use Walmart as a reference? I don't know. I feel bad for Walmart. I'm sorry, Sam Walton, that we pick on your store so much. But we're in Walmart, and he asks you to go over to this lady and pray for her. What do you do? Isn't this the part where as a fisherman, you get to get your rod out and you get to go. Sorry, if you're not a fisherman, that's the sound of your reel going out in the light. Any fishermen in here? Everybody, was that close? Not, not too good. All right. I can take it. I got big shoulders. That's my best impersonation of a reel. All right. Here's what I love. And here's, but here's the problem that we have sometimes is when you're fishing, there's got to be bait, right? Was that bad? It was bad. All right. You can always take it from a friend like that. I wasn't good at all, bro. Okay. Well, let's just pretend. We cast it out there. But here's the thing. Who's the bait? Or there's got to be bait. Whoever went fishing and just stuck a hook in the water, like, I don't know. I mean, I did a few times, but that was only because I was out of bait. But this time we're not out of bait. But who's the, who's the bait? Who's the lure here? This is a true question, by the way. I'm going to be real with you. Here's the problem. So many times I think I'm the bait and I'm the lure. Oh, but I'm not. Because there's nothing shiny about Jim. But there's something miraculously shiny about Jesus. And when he's all over you and he's all inside of you and he's been making you into this thing and he's calling you to do something and all of a sudden you have to, man, I want to make that noise again. Just pretend for a moment. Right? It goes out. That's you, right? You're on the line. But Jesus is really the bait. Here's the best thing I can liken it. Most of you will not get this. It's okay. We'll move past it if you don't. But I used to be into fishing a little bit. Was never great at it. Had a little boat, whole nine yards at one time. Buckets full of lures that I never really knew what they were did. I just thought they looked cool on the shelf, so I bought them. Yeah, that was me. But they made this lure one time, right? It was a really cool-looking lure. But you could put stuff in it. Apparently, it made it smell like real fish, right? Because this was a fake lure. It wasn't live bait. Now, they've come a long way since then, of what lures look like. But I thought, how cool is that, man? You dip this plastic thing in, and you trick the fish into thinking that it smells like a real fish or something. And they're like, ooh, lunch, right? And then they go after it. So here's the trick answer to the trick question is that when we work together with Jesus and we accepted the call to come follow him and we accepted the process of him making us into something, where does Jesus now live in at? What? Inside of you? He's the thing that attracts them. See, lures were so bad back then, they had to put something inside of them to attract them. But Jesus is the lure, and he's the fragrance that should be coming from you. As he took the time to make the process of making you into a disciple, which we never stop being, by the way. But you'll always be being made. 
But are you willing to make something in a sense? Are you willing to go be the thing that he called you to be, which is a fisher of men? This silence is deadly. But I want you to think about this. The world right now needs to see the power of God on display through the church. I didn't say in this church. This church. This church. This church. The world is waiting to see the power of God. But what they see right now is an apathetic church that doesn't have the heartbeat of heaven. The heartbeat of heaven was when I whispered, come follow me. You knew I wanted to make you something, but now why are you fighting what I wanted to make you into? That's what our apathy does. It fight against the very thing that Jesus wants to make us into. Fishers of men. Everybody say, I have a purpose. Now, this time, look at your neighbor and say it on purpose. Now, do you think that your neighbor is going to buy a vacuum sweeper from you? We're laughing about that right now. And here's something that happened the last couple months. And, man, it got in my crawl what these people said. Let me explain in a minute. It got in my crawl what these people said, but God was shining a light into my own life. But twice in the last three months, I heard some people say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And we weren't talking about a physical job. These people already had a job. Whether they were satisfied in it or not, I don't know. But the one person came up to me and said that, and basically the conversation ended up, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. Man. And something inside of me, I looked right at that person, and I said, that's funny because I do. I know what you're supposed to do. I know what you're supposed to do. I know what you're supposed to do. I know what everybody in this row is supposed to do for the kingdom of God. I know what you're supposed to do. It looks differently. Sister in the red looks differently than Nick's really cool, amazing shirt that he has on this morning. It looks differently, but it's the same thing. Go and be fishers of men. God's trying to get the attention of the church in this season because this is the season where the world needs it most. And the thing that he's trying to use as the lure and throw it out into the pond says, don't pick from the tackle box today. Don't pick this lure. There's somebody in here whose heart's saying, yeah, pick me. Pick me. Here I am. I'm ready. There's some of you in that city, and if you're saying that, you better be ready because God's going to use you. That's what that whole thing about more is all about. If you say, yes, God, I'll be, I'll be used by you, then you better be ready in 2024 because I'm going to tell you he's about to unleash his power inside of you if you'll go to the depths of intimacy that he's calling you to. You want to be a great fisherman? Get intimate with Jesus. You want the power to flow through you so that he can get the glory and he can have all the power and the recognition? Then get intimate with Jesus. There is no shortcut. There's no easy button. 
Where's that thing at? There's not one. I actually had one of those easy buttons on my desk to remind me that there was no really such thing as easiness in the kingdom of God. The easiness is just be intimate. And then he's with you through all the hard things because you're going to go through some hard things. You're going to go through some times when God says, hey, I want to use you. Go pray for that woman. That, that woman's going to say, get out of my face. That would be like the fish coming out of the water and like, you ain't going to catch me today. What I love about that, none of the results are up to us. We get so focused on all the results. But what happens if I go and pray for that person and they don't get healed? Who cares? That sounds harsh. What did Jesus say to do to the disciples? And said, we're going to the other side. Get in the boat. We're going to the other side. He didn't tell them there was a storm coming. He didn't tell them there was a storm coming. But they got in the boat. A little shaky water. I hope you don't find this message as condemnation, but let it stir your spirit this morning. Holy Spirit, do your work in this word. This is your word. This is your truth. God, you've called us all to be ministers. You've called us all to be ambassadors, Father God. And if we have not heeded that call, then God, right now, in the name of Jesus, help us to heed the call and the real reason that you called us to. Jesus didn't call us to just come all the time to this church and have awesome worship and hear great words when Pastor Damien's here. It's not what he just called us to do. I love Pastor Damien. He's my friend. He's my pastor. He's an amazing speaker, and I love hearing him. But if he was here today, he'd tell you the same thing. This isn't what it's all about. And do we have the passion that Jesus has, that he had for us? When we look around the room of our families, when we look around the lives of our coworkers, do we even care enough when there's a wide open door to even say anything? Now, I shared this the other day in Bible study. But when you pray and ask God for divine opportunities, you better be ready because he'll give them to you. And they don't always look exactly what you think they are. So I listen, I work for a lumber yard. And there's some good old boys. And they're from Putnam County. And, uh, that's okay, because I'm from Putnam County, so I can talk about them. Gives me, gives me street cred, right, to talk about Putnam County people, because I was one of them. But in the morning, we just gather around where the, the counter is, where people come in to buy their lumber. And we just talk about stuff, right? Weather and football and people that I don't even know, because I'm not from there anymore, and I don't know anybody over there. Well, anyway... Apparently, unfortunately, a gentleman had passed away. Now, I don't know this gentleman, so if you do, I'm not going to say his name, but if you happen to figure out who he is, I apologize because I do not know him. But it seems like the consensus was that this gentleman was not a very nice man in the room. And somebody says, you know, well, his service is on such and such date at such and such time, and I know exactly where he's going. 
wow, that got, that got interesting. The next words out of his mouth is, well, <laughs> I know where I'm going. Well, no, I'm probably going right to hell. My heart's just like, wow, Lord. Then he says this, I'm not sure where I'd go. And do you hear the quiet in here right now? That same quietness was in the lumberyard. Now remember when I was telling you about coffee and introvertedness, it was on purpose because the introverted fleshly person didn't want to say a thing because it was just a conversation in the room. But the fisherman in me, oh, the fisherman in me is like, sorry, I had to make the line one more time. One more time. I'm like, God, here I am. And it was like, uh, oh, what's, that doesn't matter. It's a dumb analogy anyway. We'll skip that one. But it's just a leap of faith, but I just said, I can tell you how you can know. And guess what happened? You guys are never going to guess what happened. Can you guess what happened? He looks so excited about this story, by the way. Can you guess what happened? That would be cool, wouldn't it? That would be so cool if he's like, well, what is it? I'd be like, oh, I get to tell him. I get to get on my soapbox and tell him about Jesus. But you know what happened? Nothing. That was the last word that was said in that moment. But what was happening was planting and watering. I don't have to worry about the results. A seed was planted. A kingdom seed was planted. How do you know, Jim? keep praying this prayer. God, use me. This isn't about me today. This is just as an example. Like, you can pray these prayers and trust me, God will do it. Even if he needs to unveil your eyes to see kingdom purpose in the midst of a world where everything else looks a different way. God, unveil my eyes to see your kingdom purpose in the lives of these people because they have a purpose just like you had a purpose and you accepted the call. There's some of them are waiting for a call, but they're asked, looking for somebody to say, hey, Come follow me as I follow Christ. Mm, I hope this is getting into your spirit this morning. Two weeks later, after that conversation, we have a lady that comes in to do billing into the office. It's in the middle of the afternoon, and we're just chilling because we needed a break. It was a little busy. Calm down. She's sitting on a stool, and I think I'm just staring at a computer or something. She's like, hey, I hear you're a pastor. I'm like, I tried to be humorous and say, well, you can't believe everything you hear. But I said, yeah, I am a pastor. Explained to her where I pastor at. And uh, this is what she says next. You know what drives me nuts about the Catholic Church? If you're Catholic, I'm not picking on you. This is her story, not mine. She's Catholic, so we'll just let it be her story, however you feel about all that. So she begins to tell me some things, a Catholic person, that she doesn't like about the Catholic Church. She ends up on the topic of, I feel like I'm going to go to heaven, but I'm just not sure if I'm good enough. 
I know you all want to do it with me right now. <laughs> it's, I'm just like, Lord, are you kidding me? Like, I wonder how many other times when I wasn't being intentional about my prayer and for the loss that this was happening and I didn't even see it and I glossed right over those words. Probably a lot. But I got to say to her that day, like, it isn't about how good you are. It's how good Jesus was when he went to the cross for you because he loved you that much. And guess what happened next? Woo! Uh, guess what happened next? Who wants to guess? That would be so awesome. <laughs> That's not what happened, though. Somebody walked in the door. Dang it. The whole thing got ruined. You don't need lumber right now. Who needs a two-by-four? We're talking about Jesus. Ah, no. But a seed was planted, man. And that's what I love. The results aren't up to me. Oh, yeah, I want to lead her to Jesus. But Jesus, what do you want to do today? What are you doing today? Because it's your purpose on purpose through me. The time that you spent making me into something, here I am. I'm just the line. Who wants to make the sound? I'm just, that's all I am, Jesus. Here I am. But that day, it wasn't ruined. Some plant, some water. Right, Brother Pete? Man, used to have a ton of lunches with that dude. We talk about this all the time, though. Man, that's not our... The results are up to God. They're his results anyway. Even in that moment, if I had a letter to the Lord, who led her to the Lord? The Lord, not me. Hello? The attraction of Jesus inside of me. That's the lure. Jim's just the conduit. Man, I hope that you're getting the sense that you're created for such a divine purpose that before the foundations of the world like we read in scripture God had a plan for you you know I'm a pastor but you know what I am before I'm a pastor I'm a follower and that's what I love about that scripture Jesus didn't say hey come and be a Christian with me he didn't say that how many times in the Bible is the word Christian even mentioned About that many, right there. If you're guessing, it's about that many. And I'm not going to get into where Christian, the word even came from. It's not necessary this morning. But you're called to be a follower. And you're called to be a disciple because that's the same thing. And you're called to follow in his steps. And you know what? As you follow, and as he's in the process of making you into fishers of men, enjoy the process. Can I just say that again? Enjoy the process. Now, real quick, back to these amazing disciples. I don't think there's anybody in here in the, at least the natural realm. Have you ever lopped anybody's ear off? I haven't heard such a thing about you. <laughs> Otherwise, we might be had a, had a conversation. 
I really relate to Peter, though. And though that was a natural thing that really happened and Jesus had to miraculously put the poor guy's ear back on. Lots of us have done silly things and crazy things that in a lot of ways look just like that. But Jesus didn't say that disqualified you. You're done being my disciple today. Stop. Forget about it. Kicked out of the club. Talk about church hurt. Hello. What was being done up here at the beginning of service, you talk about church hurt. That's what the church is known for at times. We'll leave it that way. And I'm not throwing, I've probably done it myself. Not intentionally, but been a part of church hurt. Some of you too, whether experiencing it or being unfortunately a part of maybe doing it. But that's the thing that stops the process. That I will make you. Father God, I just thank you for that word this morning about church hurt. And God, right now in this room, just do whatever you want to do to touch whoever's heart is necessary. And I join God with a repentant act right now that if we've been a part of that in any fashion, God, would you please forgive us? But God, we humbly come right now with unconditional surrender. And we remember when you said, come follow me and I will make you. God, here we are. Make us whatever it is that you desire us to be. God, we know that you want to make us fishers of men. So God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare a spirit of boldness over these people. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I come against the spirit of fear because we know that you have not given us that spirit. But you've given us one of love, Father God, which says, I'll go, I'll say, I'll do whatever you say to do, Holy Spirit. One of peace because you live inside of us. And where we go, there should be peace. And Father, I thank you that we have a sound mind to understand that there's a world around us that needs you just as much as we needed you when you called us, Father. I want to read some lyrics to you this morning as we get ready to go. Can you bring him up, Jason? It's kind of an older song now. I mean, comparatively anyway. It's from a group called Wren Collective. And it's called Build Your Kingdom Here. We're going to put these lyrics up on the stage and we're going to go through this a little slowly. It won't take a lot of time as we're getting ready to get out of here. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Listen to this, church. Unveil why we are made. And come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls. 
Holy Spirit, come invade us now because we are your church. We need your power inside of us, God. So we seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. We refuse to waste our lives because you are our joy and our prize. To see the captives' hearts release, the hurting, the sick, the poor at peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause because we are your church. We pray, revive this earth. Build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand and heal our streets and our land. Set your church on fire and win this nation back. Change the atmosphere. Build your kingdom here. That's what we pray. I started hearing this song, and we'll go on here in a minute. Man, I just wanted to slap Ren Collective right in the face. Man, you talk about awesome. That's a good thing where they're from. Like, trust me, it is. I didn't really mean slap them in the face. Anyway, unleash your kingdom power. Where do you think he wants to unleash his kingdom's power? Mm. Man, I hope you guys are getting this this morning. Holy Spirit. Reaching the near and the far. No force of hell can stop your beauty changing their hearts. You made us for so much more than this. Listen to this part. Oh, church, this line is like prophetic for 2024. Awaken the kingdom seed inside of us. Amen. Thank you. Fill us with strength and love of Christ because we are your church. We are the hope on earth. Build your kingdom here and let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand and heal our streets and land. Set your church on fire to help us win this nation back. Change the atmosphere and build your kingdom here. We pray. I wish somehow in this closing moment that I could figure out a way to shine a light on each of you individually. That you would understand how important and the reason that God called you. Because I think the enemy has played a lot of tricks on us and got us very complacent and very apathetic, where we're okay just doing church. Don't get me wrong. I love the stuff that happens in church, and it's powerful and it's mighty, but it's not what it's all about. God wants to awaken the church 
to be the church, to be his kingdom, to be his hands and feet into a world that needs it now more than ever. You know, there's a Matthew West song out there, and we won't go into another song as we, as we get ready to close here, but the short side of this song is basically is asking God to do all these things in this lost and dying world. They need help. They need people, Lord. Why aren't you sending them? And in the song, God shows him the revelation. He's like, yeah, buddy, I already did that. I sent them you. I sent them you. He sent you. He sent you and you. But are you willing to do the hard things? And are they really hard, guys? Let's be honest. If the results don't matter, if that's not what we're looking for, and we don't care what this lure looks like, because that's not what it's about anymore, were the disciples perfect? And if that's not what it's about anymore, isn't it about just a humble spirit that just says, God, I'll follow you. And I'll follow you because if you're saying do it. And do you see the reflection of what this is? What does Jesus do? Jesus only does and says what the Father says. And if we're doing that with Jesus, then what are we doing? It's throne room kingdom stuff here. Do you see that? It's throne room and kingdom stuff. Jesus was giving us a reflection of what we should be doing while we're following him because that's what he's doing. I'm only doing what I see my father do. I only say what I hear the father say. When he went to the woman at the well, why did he go? Because his father told him to stop there and get something to drink. If he only hears and does what the Father says to do, the divine appointment was created from the throne room of heaven directly. So when God asks you to do something, it might be just a direct initiative from the throne room of heaven that you go and say something, that you go and put your faith on the line and say, God, the results aren't up to me. But I'll pray. I'll say hi. I'll pay for your groceries. I'll do whatever. Because that's what it means to come follow me and be a disciple. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Father, I just thank you right now.